Good morning, everyone. I hope you guys are having a good morning. I hope everyone was really just invested in worship and everyone knew the lyrics really well because I volunteered to do Pro Presenter. And it was a lot harder than I thought. I texted John right before I went up and I said, I think I'm too embarrassed to go speak because of my mediocre performance at Pro Presenter. He told me just to swallow it and do it anyway. So here I am, so please forgive me for that performance. Do not let that reflect the professionalism of this church, but I was sitting up there and I was like, well, I guess it kind of does, Corey. I was like, because you volunteered, you should have been ready for it. At one point, my cursor was like up here and not on the computer, and I was like, I don't even know how that happens, and I was moving it around and I couldn't even get it back on the computer, so... That's stuff that I guess uh, we should train people on, so sorry about that. <laughs> now I know um, I'm going to stay in my lane and I'm not going to volunteer anymore because I, I suck at doing that kind of stuff. So anyway, as you can see, most of our people are away at the dance convention, so that's why I did Pro Presenter. So in case you were wondering, servant's heart and all, you know. <laughs> um, I'm going to be talking today about being great leaders. How many of you guys want to be great leaders? Um, Because most of us, whether you're in ministry or whether you own businesses or not, we all kind of have a form of leadership. If you're a parent, you're in a form of leadership. Or actually, if you're just a Christian, you're in a form of leadership. Because Jesus' great commission, right? The most important thing he said, go create disciples of all the nations. Is this good, Caleb? What do you want me to do? Yeah, come fix it. (laughs) I tried to do what you told me to, and it just, I don't think it's doing it. Now breathe out your nose real quick. All right, okay. (laughs) Did you guys hear that better? All right, sweet. Back to that discipleship thing, you know, that stuff's real important. If you guys didn't know the definition of disciple, I googled it because I'm very intelligent. The definition of disciple is a follower slash student of a leader. Now it's touching me, is that okay? Yeah, that should be Okay, it feels better, I don't know. No, it doesn't sound. It's scratch on your beard. Sorry, guys. So this is what we call family. This is, um, you know, kind of that friendship thing that we're going for. You know, like no, no boundary before the, between the platform and the congregation. That's what we're going for here. So we actually plan this type of stuff just to create that like stickiness between us. So anyway, discipleship. You know what I'm talking about? Discipleship. The definition of being a disciple is a follower or a student to a leader. So if you're a Christian, you are, in a sense, a leader because you are called to be a disciple. So I'm going to be talking about being a great leader. I remember one of our first ever interactions with Wendy and Caleb in the past five years whenever we were getting ready to start the church because we knew them when we were younger and then didn't see them forever. And then we somehow met with them again. And we were talking to them about starting a church and about me being the pastor. And I was still super embarrassed because I was like, oh, I feel called, but I'm so young and unqualified. And I would get nervous anytime someone heard it. And I remember when um, the other people on the team mentioned that Corey was going to be the pastor, like there was no shock on their face. And I was like, oh, 
these are friends, like I feel safe. And Wendy said this amazing compliment, um, this was before she knew me very well, so I don't know if she would redact it now, but um, she said, I think you can be a great leader because you seem to be very moldable and pliable. And that was kind of one of those, um, you know, just things that people say where you're like, okay, I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. And she really didn't know me very well at all, so I don't know if she'll still stick to that, but hopefully that's the goal. And over this last couple years, I've kind of tried to live my life almost with that standard in the back of my head. Like, I want to be moldable and I want to be pliable. Because the worst thing has, have you ever been under someone, maybe a boss or a leader, whatever it might be, and they are so sure about something, and you know if you told anybody, they're like dead wrong, but you couldn't even utter a word because they are so sure. Has anyone ever been in that position or just me? It's the most uncomfortable position. It's like, okay, can we talk to somebody else about it, but they know 100% I'm right, and I don't want to hear anyone else's opinion, right? You guys been in that? So I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a leader that thinks I'm right and everyone else thinks I'm wrong. I want to be a wise leader that listens to the people around me. So if we're going to jump over to Proverbs 12:15. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. He thinks his plan, his agenda, his way of doing things is the correct way in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. But a wise man listens to advice. I could literally fill our entire message time with just Proverbs talking about how important it is to listen to advice. How true wisdom is surrounding yourself with wise counselors. How that's where you'll find great victory is surrounding yourself with people. And that's kind of where we're going to be going today talking about being a great leader, because I believe if you are going to be a great leader, all right, if you want to be a great leader, you have to first become a great follower. If you want to be a great leader, you have to first become a great follower. What on God's earth is that? I thought I was stepping on an egg. Did you guys hear that? <laughs> I was like, what in the Holy Spirit just happened? I was about to have to call some people up and say, okay, I guess that was God. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Being a great leader means first learning to be a great follower. I was going, um, kind of sitting on the couch last night, and I was going over, I was like, God, what does it mean to be a great follower? Who was a great follower? And right away, who flew into my mind was Elijah and Elisha. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, oh, I just, I would like to read 1 Kings 19, like through 2 Kings 6 to everyone. And I was like, that's probably not feasible, so I'll just try to paraphrase the whole thing. But I'm going to recommend to you guys, if you guys are really good Christians, I think you should go home and you should read 1 Kings 19 through 2 Kings 5, okay? Can we do that? Because it's the Bible, and we're supposed to read that, and it's really good. But anyway, when you pick up in 1 Kings 19, it's, you know, the story about Elijah. If you don't know, he's the man that called fire down from heaven, and it burnt up the altar that was soaked with water, and he seemed to kind of just unlock that ability, because later he just calls down fire on all kinds of people. It's pretty interesting, but eventually when he comes to what seems like the end of his ministry, God tells him to go and anoint Elijah. Elisha. And I was like, man, God, was that a coincidence? Like those names, like just a coincidence? Because that's pretty crazy. 
But anyway, Elijah goes up to Elisha in 1 Kings 19, and he throws his cloak around Elisha. He doesn't seem to say anything. He just throws his cloak around him, and Elijah continues to walk. And immediately you see what a great follower Elisha actually is. And Elisha turns around and he runs after Elijah and he says, first, before I follow you, let me go and kiss my mother and my father goodbye. And you see him turn around and he was plowing a field. He seemed to be a farmer. He had oxen. He was plowing a field. And he goes back and he takes his plow. He creates a fire and then he slaughters his ox and he gives the meat to the people. And it's almost just signifying Elisha saying, my past life is over. I have been called to follow, and I'm, not, I'm essentially burning all my bridges. I'm going to be the best follower I can be to follow Elijah with all I have. And he essentially burnt and sacrificed his means of income. And then he went and followed Elijah. And um, a couple chapters later, I think it's um, 2 Kings 2, we see this moment where Elijah is about to be taken up into heaven. An amazing story, and he looks at Elisha, and forgive me, I don't remember all the names of the places, but he turned to Elisha and said, stay here, I believe the first place is, I have to go to Bethel. Stay here, I have to go to Bethel. And Elisha looks at Elijah, and he says, as long as the Lord lives, and as long as you're living, I will never leave you. But Elijah told him to stay. But he said, as long as the Lord's living and as long as you're living, I will never leave you. He was a really good follower. And I was thinking to myself, if I could jump into the Bible, if I could be any character, right now we're talking Old Covenant, all right? If I could be anyone in the Old Testament, I would want to be Elisha. I think it would be the coolest thing in the world to get to follow a man like Elijah. I wouldn't want to be Elijah because I'm not too sure exactly who he got to follow and who he got to walk under. But to have the honor to walk under someone with the amount of authority and power that Elijah walked in, it's like that would be amazing. And Elisha followed so well. He continued to follow him three different times in this journey. Elijah turned to Elisha and said, stay here. God has told me to go here. And every time he said, as long as the Lord lives and as long as you're living, I will never leave you. And he just paints this picture of an amazing follower. An amazing follower. And essentially he comes to this place and um, Elijah turns to Elisha and he says, okay, now that you're here, what can I do for you? He would have never made it to this moment unless he, w- he had that persistence, unless he was going to keep following, keep pushing, not leaving his side. And he goes, what can I do for you? And I relate to Elisha so much in this moment. And he goes, I want a double portion of what you have. I respect you, I honor you, and I want double what you have. And Elijah goes, well, what you've requested is difficult, but I'll see what I can do. <laughs> And he goes, if you see me going up into heaven, your request will be granted. 
and this beautiful story, there's so many things that's just so much fun to, you know, debate and read and just cry over and get excited over. But eventually Elijah gets taken up to heaven in these chariots of fire. And you see Elisha down on the floor yelling, my father, my father, I see him going up. And the cloak that um, Elijah had fell down as he was ascending into heaven. And this beautiful moment, I picture it like in a Disney movie, um, Elisha picks up the cloak, puts it on, takes Elijah's staff and walks over to the river and knocks it in the river parts. And it's just this amazing moment of all of a sudden, Elisha starts to walk in the anointing and power that Elijah walked into. And then you see these chapters that follow and it says the first miracles of Elisha. And the only reason we hear about Elisha, the only reason we know of his great miracles where he raised people from the dead is simply because he refused to stop following. And I thought to myself, God, I want to be a great follower like that. Because I realized in life, if you're going to be a great leader, you first have to follow some great people. If you're going to be a great leader, you first have to follow some great people. And Elisha got the honor and the privilege to follow someone great. And because of that, he got to walk in greatness. And you see this amazing story unfold. And eventually, we run across someone else in the story of Elisha. And it's um, Gehazi. Gehazi. Gehazi practiced it, and I still messed it up. I'm sorry. Gehazi. And um, where you go, I'll go. <laughs> I would sing it, but I'm already so packed for time, and then I'd have to be on the worship team too, and I just, I just don't have time for it right now, so um, maybe later. But anyway, um, Gehazi. Gehazi. Yes, I will say that right every time. Gehazi. And all of a sudden, you see Elisha has this man following him named Gehazi. And you're reading the story and you think, oh my goodness, this is going to be another Elijah and Elisha. Gehazi is going to be the man that taps his staff in the river parts. Gehazi is going to be the man that he raises the dead, that he calls down fire from heaven. And we watch this Amazing story. Um, now I'm in 2 Kings 4. Yeah, this is 2 Kings 4 where this story unfolds. Like I said, you guys got to read it. And Elisha's going to this town, and there's a rich family that lives there. And the lady says, Elisha, I know you're a man of God. I want you to stay in my home every time you come into our town. And she actually built a room for him on the roof and furnished it. And it says it gave him a couch, a lamp, and all this stuff. And so every time Elisha came into town, he would go and stay in this room. So this is where we're going to pick up the story. Like I said, I couldn't read the whole thing. So he's at um, this woman's house, and Elisha speaks to Gehazi, and he says, go and ask the woman what I can do for her. Because she has done so much for me. She's let us stay here every time we're in town. So go and ask her what I can do. So this is where we're going to pick it up. And he said to his servant, tell the woman from Shenem, I want to speak to her. 
When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, Tell her we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or the commander of the army? No, she replied. My family takes good care of me. So this is a woman with great wealth, and it seems like she's honestly just giving to give. She has a generous heart. Isn't it great when someone gives without wanting anything in return? Isn't that an amazing moment when you actually find people like that? And this is who that woman is. So she says to Gehazi, my family takes good care of me. All right, you see what she said? Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son and her husband is an old man. Call her back again, Elisha told him. When the young woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, my God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up. She falls on the floor and starts to weep because Gehazi had revealed the woman's heart. He had been walking with a man that walked in great discernment, that could move in spirit, and Gehazi picked up a little bit of that discernment because she didn't say she wanted anything, but her heart longs for a son. And you read the story and you go, wow, he's getting it. He's a great follower. He's following Elisha just like Elisha followed Elijah. And it's this beautiful story. And again, you guys got to read it. It goes on a year later. She has the child. Elisha continues to come back into town. And it's just this awesome interaction. But then eventually, the son is in a field and he's working with his father and he cries out and he goes, my father, my head hurts and he dies. He dies in the field and the father picks him up and runs him into Elisha's room and lays him on the bed. And we, this woman, the rich woman, all of a sudden you see her and she's not crying, she's not freaking out, she's going, saddle my donkey because I'm gonna go talk to Elisha. It doesn't seem like she has any fear or any concern and she goes to Elisha and she falls down and, and she just tells him what's going on and some things transpire and Elisha goes down and he does some really weird stuff. He like lays on the boy and puts his mouth on him and I'm like, you know, if that was happening now, I'd be like, get out of here, what's wrong with you? But apparently it worked. It's funny, you know, Elisha learned the same thing from Elijah. He healed a boy the same way. He would lay on a boy and stretch out on him. And I thought, wow, look at the things that he picked up from being a great follower. Look at what amazing things he learned from being a great follower. And eventually the boy is resurrected back to life and he brings the boy back to his mother. And you see just this amazing coherence between Gehazi and Elisha that same coherence that was between Elijah and Elisha. And then you get to the next chapter, which is chapter five. Again, I know I'm paraphrasing chapters and forgive me if it's hard to follow. I'm just trying to, trying to make it understandable. And we get to chapter five and this guy shows up by the name of Naaman. Anyone know Naaman? Yeah, you guys probably know him. He's the guy that had leprosy and he, he was a, 
high-ranking official, and he eventually, he went to the king, and then he eventually went to Elisha, and he rode in there with 750 pounds of silver and 150 pounds of gold, and he went to Elisha to cure his leprosy. But Elisha doesn't go out, he sends Gehazi out, and he says, if you will go and dip in the river seven times, and there's that whole, whole story, right? It's a great story, but it's not what we're talking about today. And at the end of that story is where we're going to pick up. So Naaman is healed. He talks to Elisha, and he is just amazed. He's going, I know that there's only one true God, and the God that lives in Israel is the only God in the world. And he's super excited. This is where we're going to read 2 Kings 5.15. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. So the gift is the 750 pounds of silver and the 150 pounds of gold. And I think there were 10 things of clothing, which is so interesting that that was like an esteemed gift. Like here's 10 articles of clothing. And he says, as surely... As the Lord lives, Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gifts, Elisha refused. Though he urged him to take the gifts, Elisha refused. See, sometimes it's not just having a great leader to follow that will make you a great leader. It's actually the choice to follow the great leader. Because there can be a great leader in your life, and if you don't choose to actually follow his example, you'll never actually get a chance to lead. And Elisha created this great demonstration in this moment. This great demonstration for Gehazi up to this moment, you're like, he is going to be the next Elisha. This is amazing. Elisha refuses the gifts. And as Naaman goes to walk away, as he's taking his chariots and his servants and all of this gold and silver, he starts to ride back. Gehazi goes running after him. And he stops, Eli he stops Naaman and he um, essentially makes up this story about how we're actually having two prophets come into town. We actually could use 75 pounds of silver. Would you spare that? And again, Naaman with the generous heart goes, actually, please take double. And Gehazi, with the help of Naaman's servants, because of how heavy it was, it took extra men just to carry this wealth back. And, and when they get close to the house, Gehazi goes, you know what, I'll take this myself. And he goes and he hides it. And you're reading the story and you're thinking, Gehazi, didn't you see the demonstration that Elisha showed? You're supposed to be a great follower because he's a great leader. He was a great leader in that moment. Why were you not a great follower? And all of a sudden, Elisha, again, I thought Gehazi was really smart. I mean, <laughs> he had to have been rolling with Elisha for quite some time. He probably saw some crazy stuff. And Elisha goes, Gehazi, didn't you know that I was with you in spirit? We can debate that later. I'm planning on it, John. We're going we're gonna to do it. 
And he goes, didn't you know that I was with you in spirit? I saw everything that you did. He essentially astro projects for lesser words and watches what's transpiring. And he goes, how could you do that? And before Naaman walks out of the room, he's covered in leprosy. Or not Naaman, before Gehazi walks out of the room, he's covered in leprosy. And Elisha goes, because of what you did, now your generations will suffer with it forever. And it's like this heart-wrenching moment. I'm not saying that's gonna happen to you every time you do something wrong, you know, the glory of the new covenant, right? But looking at this story, realizing that Gehazi could have been the next great prophet. He could have been the next great leader because he was following a great leader, but he didn't choose to follow everything. He might have had a great leader, but he didn't, he wasn't a great follower. And I was reading this and I was thinking to myself, all right, God, I need great leaders in my life, but I also need to be a great follower. Because I realized, you know, everyone in life has something to teach you. And unless we're moldable and pliable, we'll end up like Gehazi. Unless we're moldable and pliable, we will never actually walk into greatness because we are never willing to learn it. Sometimes we can get so prideful and think, well, my way is the, is the right way. But a fool's way is always right in his sight. I don't know about you, but I want to be a man, a husband, one day a father that surrounds himself with wise counsel, that spends time reading and learning and going, is this the best way to lead? Is this the best way to parent? You know, there's certain things where we go, what's the most important thing in your life? And we'll go, well, my family is the most important thing. Parenting is the most important thing. And you go, well, how much time do you invest into learning to make sure that you're a better parent? And you're like, well, actually, I've never read one book on parenting. I've never went to one counselor on parenting, but it's the most important thing in my life. And we go, I want to own an amazing business. I want to lead great people. And it's like, how many hours do you spend every week making sure that you're a better leader this week than you were last week? And you're like, well, I've never actually spent any time learning to be a leader. And it's like, so you're wanting to walk into greatness as a leader without ever learning to be a great follower? If you want to be a great leader, you have to first learn how to be a great follower. Remember when um, Paul was writing to the church of Corinth, and he said it multiple times. He says, I urge you to imitate me. <laughs> a TV preacher could say that now, and that would be heresy. <laughs> I urge you to imitate me. That's why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you how I follow Christ Jesus, just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. Paul is saying, you haven't met Jesus for very long. You haven't known Jesus for very long. Obviously, you need to follow Jesus. But right now, you need to imitate me because I'm imitating Christ. 
we've got to be a people that if that's something we're concerned about, obviously if you don't care, then it's not going to be very high on your agenda. But if you want to be a person that walks in power, that's a great leader, that's a great follower of Christ, you're going to have to find some people that are better followers than you are. I don't know, like we... Our minds are so interesting. You know, it's like insanity. We do the same thing over and over and hoping for a different response. It's like, yes, you have to get alone with your Bible, but if you're only ever alone with your Bible, I promise you, you're actually not going to progress very far. That sounds kind of messed up, I know. You've got to get alone with it, but you've also got to get around people that know it better than you do, that can talk about things with you, that can go, actually, I've, I've struggled with that part before. That can lead you, and obviously to be a great follower, it doesn't mean you just follow anyone, right? I mean, you've gotta have the discernment, you've gotta have the Holy Spirit leading you in to know who is a great leader, but once you decide who is a great leader and you prayed about that and you believe that you need to follow their example in certain areas, then you actually have to trust what they're saying. Because a lot of times we can be deceived in certain areas, right? How many of you guys know that when you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived? If you knew that you were deceived, you actually wouldn't be deceived. You would just have the spirit of stupid. That's two totally different things, you know? So if you were deceived and didn't know you were deceived, that means the only way to step out of deception is actually to believe someone else more than you believe yourself. I've told this story multiple times, so I'll tell it again. Um, I remember I've told Allie so many times, um, if you see me doing anything, if you see me acting like a know-it-all, if you see me acting like I'm the smartest person in the room or being rude or sarcastic, please tell me. Because that's not my heart. I don't want to be a fool and be right in my own eyes and everyone else is going, wow, that was rude. And it's actually gotten less and less, but um, in the beginning, it was like a daily occurrence, you know? We'd, any social setting we were in, we'd get in the car, and she was like, so, and I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> you know, it was just constant, but now it's like, you know, I'm getting a little bit better. Thank you, Jesus. But there was this one instance, it was actually in the beginning, where, where she brought this, there was a couple things, actually, <laughs> And it was essentially me acting like I was the smartest person in the room. And how many of you guys know I'm not the smartest person in the room? If I am ever the smartest person in the room, I am in the wrong room, you know? And, um, and she, you know, brought these statements up to me, and I thought to myself, I told her, I said, sweetie, I, I'm listening to you, and I believe you, but I don't think that was rude. I said, I'm, I'm trying to understand, I'm trying to pray about it, but I don't think that was rude. And she goes, well, that was rude. <laughs> you know, and um, I remember just thinking to myself, all right, do I trust Allie? Do I trust Allie more than I trust myself? And I said, you know what? I'm going to trust her more than I trust myself. And it was, it's weird. It was like this emotionally spiritual moment to where I chose to trust her more than I trust myself. And it's like all of a sudden I stepped out of deception. And it's like I was thinking back to those things she brought up. And I'm like, oh my goodness, yeah, I see. I was like, I see how that was that was kind of rude. I see how that sounded kind of arrogant. What was I thinking? 
you know, and I, I do it all the time. I'm always like, hey, sorry. <laughs> I like literally, if you know me, you probably heard me tell you sorry for so many things that I've said, but I'm just like, I'm sorry if that was like, it was full of myself. I apologize. Like, I just, I love you. I never want to come across like that. And it took me trusting her more than I trust myself to actually step out of deception. So if you're going to be a great follower, if you find great leaders, you actually have to trust them more than you trust yourself. And a lot of times that's hard. We trust them in certain areas. And yeah, we have to have discernment, I know. And you got to eat the meat and spit out the bones, I know. I know all that good stuff. But I'm talking about this side too. That's why you surround yourself not just with one counselor, but wise counselors. And you can go to people and you can go, can you look inside? <laughs> can you let me know? Can you advise me? How many of you guys know the Bible? It says there's victory in many counselors. It doesn't say one counselor. It says many counselors. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Who are you imitating right now? Who are you imitating that's imitating Christ? It's going to be a hard journey. I don't, I honestly, I know this can sound kind of screwed up if you don't know the heart that I'm speaking it from, but I don't believe you'll make it very far on your own. I don't think just, again, this sounds so wrong, I don't think just you and God are going to do great things for the kingdom unless you surround yourself with wise people that are going to help and push you through it. Jesus didn't, the Great Commission wasn't pray that everyone will be saved. Make sure that you go out and pray the salvation prayer with everyone. Get them saved and send them on their journey. He said, no, go create disciples of all nations. Go create learners of all nations that are going to follow you and imitate you. Who are you imitating and who's imitating you? I think when we fail to follow someone's correct leading, we can destroy our chance of ever leading ourselves. That's what Gehazi did with Elisha. I truly believe he, we would have heard more from this man. I think he would have walked in greatness. I don't know for sure if he would have carried the staff of Elijah and Elisha and had the cloak wrapped around him, but I think he would have walked in power and anointing. But instead, he walked out with a curse that not only messed with him, but his generations to come. Matthew 4.18 says, oh, I don't know if I want to get into all this. Yeah, I'll do it quick. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew throwing a net into the water. If you guys watch The Chosen, this little like, you never read it the same. For they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to be fish, fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Again, sorry to refer back to The Chosen series, but it's so interesting when you watch this and you see the disciples following him and, you, and they're like, are they gonna, is he going to show me how to fish for people? <laughs> like, what's going on? They expected this. This is how it's done. X, Y, Z, go do it. And Jesus goes, why don't you just imitate me? Why don't you just follow me? Why don't you just get to know me? And you're going you're gonna to move out of that perspective. Depending on what gospel you read, it's kind of um, 
Eri, which was the first disciple to be called, you know, most people think it's Andrew, but then in the Gospel of Matthew, he doesn't mention that whole Andrew seeing Jesus before Peter. But anyway, whichever one was first, Peter was one of the first Gospels to be, one of the first disciples to be called. He was one of the first to actually follow, and yet he was one of the first to actually lead. Peter was the one that walked on water. He was the one that preached on Pentecost. He was the one that had the keys to heaven. It was his revelation from following Jesus that Jesus goes, I'm going to build my entire church on your revelation. Anything you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Anything you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Why? Because Peter loved to get really close to Jesus. Peter loved to follow him everywhere he went. He was one of those three that just got close every instance he could. And because he was a really great follower, he eventually became a really great leader to the point where when he would walk, people would jump to the side of him just to catch his shadow and they would be healed. That was the power that Peter walked in because he was a really great follower. You guys stand, we'll pray real quick and then we'll be done. So obviously first and foremost, we should be following Jesus, right? But we have to find people to follow that are already following him. They don't have to be perfect. They don't have to have their whole life worked out. But how many of you guys know that everyone is better than you at something? You can find someone that's more generous than you, someone that's more loving, someone that's more forgiving. And my greatest advice to you would be humble yourselves to them and celebrate whatever they're good at. We have got to get good at every time we see someone that's doing something good, we celebrate it. We've got to celebrate what people are good at because whatever you celebrate, you will always duplicate. Whatever you celebrate, you will always duplicate. So find people that are good at things, that are better at things than you are. Humble yourselves, celebrate them, and eventually you will duplicate the very thing that they're doing. Be great followers. Find people that you love, that you respect, and go, if you ever see me, doing this. If you ever see me screwing up over here, please let me know because I know I would be a fool if I was only right in my own eyes. I know a wise man has many counselors. I know that's when I'll achieve victory. I want that type of life. I don't want to be a fool. I want to be a great follower that eventually turns into a great leader. So God, thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your conviction, Father. I ask that you would convict me whenever I start going down the wrong road, whenever I'm right in my own eyes and no one else's, whenever my heart gets out of line, I ask that you would convict me because I want to honor you with all that I am. I want to be a great follower like Elisha. 
I want to be a great follower like Peter. I want the revelation that I have to be a rock that you can build your entire church on. I want to be a great leader to the church, to my wife, to my family. Now I want to put effort into doing that. Will you please send people into my life? Show me people that can lead me well because I want to humble myself. I want to be a servant to people. In your name, amen. (laughs) Thank you guys for coming. It's always an honor and a privilege and we're praying for you. I just pray that you guys will just be blessed whenever you leave, whenever you guys go get lunch that you'll do it all for his glory. So just thank you. Like um, like they said, we have small groups at um, the Cranes. So if you don't know us very well, come hang out with us. We would love to know you. That's kind of the whole point of all this. We just want friends. So that's why we're doing this. So come hang out. And um, other than that, we'll see you guys next week.